If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. For as little as $1 per month, you'll gain exclusive access to the Loud Pipes after show, The Downshift, as well as other content and sneak peeks available only to our supporters. Even $1 goes a long way, and we truly appreciate your support. Better yet, come ride with us. Step up to $5 a month and receive an invitation to the monthly video hangout and the Riders of Loud Pipes private social network. Hang out in the clubhouse with other riders, chat with us on show topics, and so much more. You want free swag? Select the barbershop level, and we'll send you a free t-shirt and an annual swag bag. Loudpipes.net slash donate. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from R-Dub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Loud Pipes, episode 74. We're recapping our trip to Daytona. John and I, that is. We ran into a TV motorcycle superstar and, of course, took in the Rolex 24 at Daytona. All right, helping me do this show as usual are my boys on the line. I have, first of all, Mr. Hogan. How are you, man? What's up? What's up? What's up, peoples? How y'all doing tonight? Hanging in there. Trying to recover from our trip, but we'll get to that here in a bit. All right. You have a beverage of the evening, my man? Sir, I'm drinking the pale ale. It's called Majadura. L. Oh, that's a mouthful. Yes, sir. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, let's not forget our technical director, a little bit to my east, Mr. John Maracle. How you doing, man? Oh, man. I had a rest up. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> my God. Rico, I got to tell you about this guy. I had to make sure he stayed warm enough because he forgot he forgot his gear. I had to make sure he again? stayed on schedule. Yes, again. I had to make sure he stayed on schedule because, heaven forbid, the guy likes to talk. You know, <laughs> I, I had to make sure everything was correct and make sure their hotel reservations were done. I mean, good God. And a race ticket. Oh, 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 hang on, Rico. And the, the bare one, I had to do his laundry. Oh, <laughs> hell no. Was he packing when you arrived still? No, he he was he was yeah he was he was just washing his bike. <laughs> Priorities, man. I'd have a clean ride. I'm like, good God, I show up, you know, two hours late, and here he is. He's still not even ready to go. He said, "I'll take your time. I'm running behind." <laughs> so I pull in a driveway, and here he is, down on his hands and knees, washing the bike, doing a quick wash. I'm like, come on, really? Wasn't it wasn't it supposed to rain or something on that trip? No, it's going to be freaking cold, in which it was. All right. Well, <laughs> well, let me ask the million-dollar question. What? Did you have a good trip? Yes, it was a good trip. Oh, good man. Hand. A little too much delay there for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what the bad part was? There was two bad issues. Number one was cold. And I yeah. know that we'll get slack for that. But, yeah. you know. Well, how cold that sun- was it? Well, it got down into the low 50s, mid 40s. But, really? y- y- you know, Rico, you've lived here in the South yeah. long enough, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And you get up to the 100 plus degrees, right? And Rich and I had this discussion. I get up to the 100 plus degrees. Right. 
when it gets down to 40 degrees, it's that's 60 degrees change. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. So, so if you're up in the warmer or the colder states in the wintertime, you know, you don't get that hot in the summer. You will probably get up to the 90s. I know that because I did grow up up there. It did get kind of warm. But, you know, you usually get used to a 30-degree temperature. You do. You do. Yeah, it's all about being acclimated. But So before you get too far, have you acclimated yourself into a beverage, Johnny John? Yeah, I did. I, I have a tangerine wheat beer. What? Oh, what? Wow, a fresh open. Mm. Watch out there now. How is it? How is it? Dramatic pause. John takes a sip. He's licking his lips. He goes in he for another sip. Results. Well, hang on, let me take another sip here. Waiting for the verdict. Patiently. Don't spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad, man. It's not bad. It's pretty not good. Bad. Okay. Open it up and it had a nice fresh of orange tangerine smell. Yeah. It's from a Lost Coast Brewery out of uh, Eureka, California. Very nice. Eureka. Yeah. Okay. So, so what do you have, my friend? Well, before I talk about my beer... We, ca- we didn't get to this yet, but I'm actually sitting in, I was going to call it Charlotte Studio 3.0, but it's really not a full redo. So let's just call it 2.1. And I think I've spent about, I don't know, 10 hours or so cleaning up the basement and, and resetting. So without getting into details, let's just say I had an incident in the basement that required me to remove everything. And I got the opportunity to reset it. So took some time, put all the equipment into a rack like it should be. But the bad thing is, I don't have much beer. So oh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get time to Repeat that. What did you, did I hear what I think I heard, Rico? This is unheard of. What just happened here? I'm not saying I don't have a beer. I'm just saying I don't There's have anything new and exciting. Paradigm shift or something. <laughs> oh, my God. Dogs are mating with kittens. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, goodness. No, what are we going to do, Rico? So I got the staple, Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale. <sighs> Old school. Well, let's add that to the list again, Rico. Drinking hey. on for this year. Guess <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait for that recap episode. I know. So how was it? Ah, oh, it's lovely. Lovely. All right, so before you guys descend into the chit chat, this episode is going to be split into uh, split in two. Yeah, I guess two different segments. So we're going to talk about our ride to Daytona. John and I did a thousand miles, or give or take, round trip. I know he did more, but we're not going to count those. What? And we'll talk about some of the things we did in Daytona that are riding and motorcycle related. And then towards the end of the show, for those that don't care about racing, we'll talk about our experience. At the Rolex 24. So how many miles, Johnny John? Uh, Let's start there. How many miles did I do? Oh, about 1,400. 1,400. How many did you you guys do together then? 800 maybe. Was it? Or was it? Well, I had just over 1,000 and I only did the last 130 by myself. So Okay. 
Okay, yeah. That wouldn't make sense. Because uh, I pulled out of here. Because <laughs> the TD came down and started at my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I went down and met up with Rich. So that's 130 miles, 150 miles from my house to Rich's. Mm-hmm. Then we pulled out of there at 6 p.m. We were planning to leave at 4. Oh, right on time. Somebody had to do work. Right on time. <laughs> <laughs> but we rolled out, clean bike, good to go. For, yeah. Forgot half the stuff in Charlotte, but we got going down the road. Yeah, we got going down the road. And, and, and then we, Rich was like, oh, we got, this is a better time to leave. We're not going to hit traffic. No traffic. <laughs> no traffic. We're going to be good. <laughs> that lasted <laughs> about <laughs> 900 feet. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. We pulled out of a subdivision, turned to the right, go down a little bit, and now it's in traffic. He's like, oh, we got to turn around. Okay. <sighs> Yeah, before we got to Brooklyn Pizza, it was all the way back to the school, which oh, is shut up about a half mile, maybe a little more than that. So we were like, hmm, you turn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so what you had to do, go down um, yeah, the road? We come back and took Providence instead. Providence, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't bad. And then... I guess once we got going, and I will apologize to John, I was late, I wasn't packed, I wasn't ready, I really wanted to wash the bike, and I also wanted to clean the air cleaner, which I didn't get to, so you see where my priorities were, but the bike was clean, and I got it packed, and we got going, and you know, we started out at a pretty good pace in terms of the speed and the temperature, and then it just dropped. It was probably, was it 60, John, when we left? Or was it not quite 60? It wasn't quite 60. It was already starting to dip into the 50s. Yeah. So we were down in the low 50s, I think, by the time we got to Columbia. But I don't really know what the temperature was, but it might as well have been minus 5 because I was absolutely frozen when we got to Columbia. Just shaking. He was cold, and he was like, I'm cold. We got to stop. I'm hungry. Well, 55, that's, that's, that's pretty chilly. Uh, I got to admit, you know, riding back to Campobello in that temperature, even at 60 degrees, that's a chilly ride. If you're doing 80 miles an hour on the highway, that's, that's chilly. Yeah. I, I, I can relate, especially if you're not bundled up well. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have enough layers night. on. You know, fingers obviously went quick. I didn't have any glove liners in. So at the stop, John actually helped me out. So I'll thank him for that. First thing he did to save my butt was, um, he told me to put my rain gear on, you know, just use it as a, a windbreak. So by then I had, you know, a thermal layer, sweatshirt, base layer, jacket. And then over top of that was my rain jacket. And then the same thing for the bottom, you know, I had thermal layer, riding jeans. Um, and then on top of that was my, was my, the rain pants. And that was really, really nice. That, that helped me get down to Savannah that night. Well, no. Mm-hmm. You didn't put it on your rain jacket going down. Not the jacket, you're right, but it did do the rain pants. Yeah, once you put the pants on, you said you were nice and comfortable. And, yeah. and as we sat there going down, you know, we were saying, do we do we change? Do we add more? Do I take stuff off or do I make changes? It's like, we're comfortable, so stay where you're at. Yep. Uh, it was just the hands, you know, my my fingers, not not even the hands, just the the tips of my fingers got cold real quickly and, and that never improved for the rest of the ride. and. I solved, I solved that for the ride home. Wait a minute. Didn't you buy new gloves for this whole thing? 
Ah, I got the gloves in Daytona. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I remember, Rich, we were going down there before we got to Columbia. You know, you stopped. We stopped at an exit and put on your ski gloves. Yeah, that was another thing I tried is I know my current gauntlets, they have a light lining in them, but it's not, they're not very warm. And I have two different liners. I have a cotton-based liner from Harley-Davidson, and then I have the freeze-out base layer glove liners that John also has from Cycle Gear. And neither one of those really fit well under those gloves. So I have gloves from my time in New England that I use for skiing, and they're thicker. They do at least have a pre-curve to them, and they had the little windshield wiper squeegee (laughs) on the finger, (laughs) which was nice. We didn't run into rain, but it's cool that it has it. And I put a liner under those gloves, and then my hands were in much better shape, but I lost so much dexterity in my hands that it was really hard to control the bike. I mean, I was I was basically just able to control the bike. I mean, uh. emergency maneuver, forget about it. I don't think I would have even got to the controls because the gloves yeah. were that clunky on the bike. Uh. Yeah, that's hard because, you know, even holding up, even my bike, you know, just imagine having those big, heavy gloves trying to hold up my bike and dealing with, like you said, just those emergency situations. I hate, I'd rather go without, you know, all that extra just to have the the sure grip, you know, of the handlebars. But, you know, in your case, when you're riding up 800 miles, I can understand why. But, yeah, I hate that feeling. Yeah. And then it's like anything fatigue sets in, you know, your hands are cold. You don't have good feeling in your hands to begin with. And now you don't, like I said, you don't have the range of motion to do what you want to do. And I just ended up riding with basically riding with my hands out over the, the controls. So I wasn't even squeezing the bars. I just had like all my fingers over the controls just in case. Cause I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get my fingers off the bars onto the brakes if I needed them. So I just left them there. Oh man. That's hairy. That's when you trusting everything to go smoothly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that this is where that heated grip thing comes in handy. Well, heated grips, but let's not forget, I also don't have any. There's no wind protection, so I don't know yeah. how much the grips would help. Holy in the element. So, did you want to talk about that whole experience of just not being proper? I guess properly prepared to handle the cold weather for that long of a stint. Well, let me throw it out that a little quicker. Okay. In in this aspect of, yes, we probably weren't 100% in what we needed, but then again, we are living in, in North Carolina, so when does it really get really cold? January so, and February, apparently. <laughs> you know, so we'll go with, you know, I used my, uh, my Klein gauntlet gloves, and then I had the first... Um, first no freeze out glove liners and what was interesting and i think rich you experienced the same thing when we stopped i pulled off my glove liners and my hand was sweating <laughs> yeah I, I didn't really have that problem even even with the ski gloves because they're not it's not like a leather glove where it really cuts the wind it was more i guess more like a nylon material i don't i don't know if it was like ballistic nylon but it, it seemed to to let a little bit more of the the cool air in versus a, a nice leather glove, but they were better. They were better than my my usual riding gauntlets. I will say that. Okay, so did your feet or anything get cold? Uh, feet were fine. Yep, feet were fine. Yeah, feet, feet were was fine. 
Um, two pair I, of socks, three pair of socks. What did you have? I think I had just a single pair on the way down. I bought new socks too. Let's talk about those. I had uh, socks on, summer socks on, and then I had them covered over with the freeze out uh, base layer socks on over those. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's reset here. All right, so I need to break down of what every layer you guys had on. <laughs> Started with, started with you, Rich. Well, okay. Let's. How many layers did you have on for this ride? <laughs> let's let's put it into perspective. Do you do you want to know, like the final layer up that we used to get from Santee, South Carolina, back home? Because that I basically threw on everything that I had with me. <laughs> to get home. It was thirty eight degrees when we woke up. Yeah, it it, it was cold. That hurts. That hurts. But but with All that right. being said, on Thursday night going down, and I'll and I'll put it this way: Thursday night when we left at six o'clock, the sun was going down, and we rode from six p.m. until midnight. So you you're in the dark, you know. You know how the sun goes down, yeah. sun helps heat. You know, okay. on on Monday coming back or Tuesday morning coming back on Tuesday morning, yes, it was thirty eight degrees, but the sun was out, and before you knew it, forty. 42 44 yeah. 46 and that sun made a huge difference oh, and we bet. noticed a lot of that was the was the heat and the sun just helped us out so much that at night it was like we gotta get off the road yeah even even like we were saying 50 52 degrees at 10 o'clock at night just feels really cold with no sun okay but so you asked about the gear sorry you want so you want to hear everything from inside out yes please all right, so we'll start with the legs. I had, I guess, where I take notes. Traditional cotton long johns on first, and then I had a freeze out the freeze out base layer that we keep talking about. Two followed by my riding jeans, which have Kevlar in them. Three, and then when I got to Chick Fil A, I added my wind pants. <laughs> That's four, four. <laughs> <laughs> or not wind pants. Sorry, my rain pants. <laughs> My leg warmers. Rich, incorrect. You did not have your cotton long johns on when you left your house. Oh, did I? Was I one layer short? You were one layer short in the legs. You're right. I didn't add those until the return trip. So three three layers. Started with two, base layer and jeans. Then I added the rain pants. So we, so we were at three. Okay. What about you, John? How many, how many layers did you have in your legs? So I had, I had thermal... Underwear on. I had another pair of kind of I, I would say kind of compared to the freeze out, but they're not the freeze out. Another kind of flannel pants. Then going down, I had a pair of jeans on, and then I had my riding pants. Four layers as well. Or yeah, yeah. All right. So was four layers enough, or were you still cold in the legs? I only had a little issue at some points in the upper inner thighs where the wind was hitting me okay duly okay that's good to know all right and one pair of socks or two pair of socks so i had uh one pair of socks and then a base layer on top of those wool socks or cotton socks uh summer dry socks so they're kind of more like a summer dry wicking sock okay what'd you have on rich my socks were just a a basic pair of cotton socks. They weren't, they weren't like ultra thin, but they weren't like thick wool either. They were just basic 
that was what I had on the way down. Sorry to hear that. I did end up making that a a double layer at some point, but I think that was Friday morning. On the way back? No, on the way down, because remember from Savannah, it was also pretty cool that morning, that Friday morning, but that went away extremely fast as we got going. Okay. Did you guys have any neck gear on to keep the wind off your necks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Turtle fur, baby. (laughs) Turtle fur. (laughs) Which, again... You know, you start looking like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man because you've got so much gear on, you're just all bulked out. I, I even lost some range of motion with my head because now the helmet is scrunched up against this neck thing. And it's like, oh, it's just uncomfortable. I, I guess better than riding in a car, but was uncomfortable at times. Uh, would you advise anybody to ride in these kind of conditions with all that layer all the uh, all that all that layers on i mean is that is that <laughs> did, did we enjoy the thing to do did we enjoy yeah, is the, that ride? the smart thing to do right right is that that's it exactly is that yeah. the smart thing to do my number one lesson learned is you know get get warmer gear that fits and make sure you're comfortable and you still have your full range of motion and We'll get to that, or actually we can get to it now. That's why I bought new gloves when I was in Daytona, and I bought new socks. Just because I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, I don't have the right stuff to wear. And not only am I not warm and not comfortable, but now it's a safety issue. Because I, I can't even operate the controls. So right. that's why we bought some new stuff in Daytona. So what about your core? I know we talked about this in past episodes. What about keeping that core warm? What do you have to keep that part warm? My core was pretty good. I probably will mix up the layers, but it was basically t-shirt, the freeze-out gear, then my my Harley uh, zip-up hoodie, and then my jacket, my nylon jacket. That was on the way down. That was pretty decent. A little cool towards the end, but not enough where I was like shivering. Mm-hmm. And then later, I ended up adding the rain jacket on top of that as, as a nice windbreak. Wow. Five layers. All all in, yeah. And I think even on the way back, because now we're going from warm to cold, instead of you know starting in the cold and racing towards the, the warmth, which never really materialized in Daytona, by the way. It was like 55, 60 degrees down there. It was not that warm in Daytona. In Daytona, it was still that cold? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Sunday, it, I, it didn't even break. No, it didn't break 60 on Sunday. It was just rainy and cold and miserable. Mm, that sucks. What about you, John? How many layers did you have for your core? Same. So long, John. Compression, kind of um, long, John. Are you fancy? A freeze out. Uh, the freeze out um, liner. Uh, let me think. What was next? I think going down. I kind of had like a long sleeve shirt on. Yeah, long sleeve shirt, and then I had my thermal liner in my jacket, plus I had the windbreaker liner in, and then my jacket, so probably just as many as Rich. Wow. So you guys had your airbags deployed already? Yes. <laughs> yeah. They were pre-deployed, for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, too funny. So I wish I was there to take pictures. <laughs> you guys all swole up. <laughs> Oh, but okay. All right. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is uh, 
maybe some electrical gear, you know, some power, um, power insulated gloves and vests and pants and socks. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not me personally. I'm going to say no to that stuff because really, and John, you'd rather I, have five layers of clothes on instead of, you know, no. your, your hoodie and, and your jeans and some thermals and been fine with your heated, with your heated gear. I mean, that to me, that would. No, no. What I mean is I would rather have my layers, you know, fit right, but still leave range of motion versus having heated gear. And and this is, this is why, and John and I talked about it at length at the, the hotel is if you get yourself situated to where you're comfortable with heated gear, what if that stuff conks out on you? Then you're screwed. You're not layered up unless you're carrying extra gear with you. Now you're you're not equipped for the task. That's why I'm saying I, I would not, me personally, I would not go electric gear. I would just make sure I'm layered up and I'm comfortable and I still have range of motion. That's how I would roll. Heated gear, not for me. I agree with Rich on that. And if I want heated gear... I would look at, and I know it's probably not going to last as long, but I also look at non-wired using battery packs to give you the power because I just think having a wire attached to you, something happens, it's in your way. What happens to get tangled up? It, it's just, you know. Yeah. And, and then the other thing is to equate this to going back with past guest Matthew on the show and he has heated gear. You also got to make sure your bike can support it. Yeah. So that's the other thing. And, and our guest that we talked to while we we're in Florida, that was something else he brought up. He was talking about mods. He's doing two bikes and not having enough power. Yeah. Especially if you're riding an older bike, they don't put out that many amps. You could overload the system. But my, my other reason Rico, just to put a, a period on that for not wanting electric gear is, it's just my personal situation. It's not that cold long enough here in Charlotte to me to justify buying that kind of gear. I would rather just get a couple more comfortable layers, like I said, that fit right and just have those at my disposal. Because they, to me, the electric gear is really expensive and that's just a failure point. If that goes out, now I'm, I'm not equipped. So those are my two big reasons. Just me personally. If I live farther north, yeah, sure, I probably would have it because you need it for more of the season. Yeah, I would agree. Just just like, you know, I think comment says you don't like the weather today, wait two days, it'll be different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, today in Charlotte here, it was in the mid to upper 60s. It was beautiful. I mean, it was cold over the weekend, but like John said, two days later, you ride today easily with what I wear in the summertime. Yeah, I've been there. Done that. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Just wanted to get your feel because, yeah, we talked about, you know, the the bike not having enough power to mm-hmm. supply enough juice to those different parts and the battery um, powered uh, body equipment uh, seemed to be the best way to go and just recharge it. That would be the other thing. How long, you know, if I think it's top four hours, depending on how, how high you had those set up, yeah. the settings up to. Um, so, yeah, I can see where that could be an issue. But at the same time, I can see where maybe you turn them on when you get to those really frigid temperatures where you really need them and then turn it on. Just get, I don't know. Yeah. It's just my idea. I would also like if, if I was going to ride in, in weather that was colder for longer, I would probably get a different bike, something with a fairing, maybe even lowers. Just, I think that would help a lot. Heated grips, heated seats. 
Well, anything. Yeah. My bike, you know, cruiser out in the wind, no windshield, just, I'm just taking it all going down the Raw road. Raw dogging it. Raw dogging it. Taking it all, baby. <laughs> but you <laughs> let know what? Let hang out. Let, let, let me put another little, can you put two periods on the end of a sentence? Yeah, you can. I guess can. you can, I'll right? Three. <laughs> you put three sometimes, you know, dot, dot, dot. The other one I will say is I still had an amazing time riding, not only because I love to ride, but because John is riding. And that's still, I'm still in awe over that. Yeah, it just, man, I'm like, I'm like, God damn. I'm like, that's my boy over there riding. Ah, can't get over that still. And he ain't wussing out, is he? He's he's holding it down and (laughs) pulling you along. No, he's doing it. I mean, he got he got indoctrinated into some high wind, high speed, oh god, highway running, and oh, I, I'm god, proud yeah. of him for doing it. I really am. That's cool. That was that was that was my next question. As far as how how did you guys do on the highway with the wind and the cold weather? Tell me about that. God. God. I'll let John John tell me about that. Your experience with that. You know, so going down going down to Riches, leaving here was windy, and would have some gusts and. And I got to Charlotte. I was like, for the rich, I was like, okay, it's windy. You know, hopefully we'll be okay. And his comment was like, well, thanks for that information. That answers a question about that windshield. <laughs> Where was going to stay in the garage? Yeah. If there's wind, I don't want that windshield. No, sir. So, you know, it wasn't bad going down. But I got to tell you, when we left Daytona on Monday morning, it was. <laughs> Ooh, wee. I think is the phrase you're looking for. <laughs> and I was thinking, and I was looking at the forecast. I was like, okay, well, we'll get to Jacksonville. We're going to get out of this. And nope. and I will say one thing about technology that I'm thank God that I had running when we left was we left and we were thinking about okay, we're going to need some gas here shortly, and <laughs> let's see how the highway run runs with the clothes we have. And I had Google up and running maps, and all of a sudden it comes over and says, faster route detected. All right. And it changed. And I looked at and here I'm going down the highway. You know, shouldn't be looking at the phone, but, you know, kind of clicking down, looking at it. 41 minute delay. Yeah, through Jacksonville, right? No, it's before Jacksonville. There's an accident on 95, and it had a 41 minute delay. We had to take like a 10 mile bypass. And, Got gas, and then we got going along. Okay, how so, many stops of coffee did you stop to get? <laughs> two the whole trip. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, TD TD runs a tight ship, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I see. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm like, you know, John, uh, since... You know, since I'm riding with a Sportster and we're stopping like every 100 miles for gas, I'm like, you know, it'd be nice if you could find a Starbucks at the next gas stop <laughs> he's like taking me into the pilot and it's like even the one place had dunkin donuts and it was just terrible like i don't know what kind of coffee that was but it was terrible then we get going through we get into jacksonville monday monday afternoon we take 295 around and i'm not sure if people know 295 there's a you know st john's river and there's a big bridge with freighters to go under it is windy and we go up over this this bridge and and i am not a fan i'm scared of bridges i do not like bridges (laughs) a little something i learned on the trip actually and i was like this is 
I, I need to get off this. And Rich's like, oh, look over there. Look at these, you know, these freighters. And I'm just <laughs> handlebars down looking straight at the road. I'm like, I ain't moving. I'm like, <laughs> cool, man. Look at the port. Look at all the containers. That's awesome. And John's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I was like, this is this is enough. I, I'm ready to get off this. Because, I mean, it was up pretty high. And unfortunately... It was all day Monday. We had wind the whole way back to South Carolina. Because we went to Santee, South Carolina to stay, and that's where we made it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and, and Rico, you'll be proud of our boy Rich over here. I got to tell you one more thing that he did good, though. What did he do? He made a full fuel run on the highway. You know, it's Several usually, times. You know, it's usually, oh, 45 minutes. Oh, I got to take a break. Right. Nope. It's two hours. We're yeah, born ready. We ran. Basically, we ran. We stopped on John's fuel tank. Essentially, when he was out of gas, we stopped. Wow, that's impressive. Unfortunately, with the spider running it at <clears throat> highway well, speed. Let's just say highway, highway speed. speed. Yeah. It 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 like to drink the gas. I think one of them was about a hundred and. 100 to 120, and I think it took five gallons of gas to fill it back up. Wow. Yeah, so we, we were at we were at like a 130 pace for him, give or take. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that was perfect for you, Rich, because that's about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's depending on where we were, but yeah, it was anywhere from like an hour 10 to an hour and a half, depending on. Yeah. Well, no, it was more than that. I mean, 130 yeah. miles is not, not an hour. But, but I no, do have this season. But I do have to say that that one gas stop going down, Rich, when we stopped north of Jacksonville. Yeah. Because we made that side trip, side stop, which we'll cover in our next episode of 75, which is be a sweet one. We got off to the exit and we were heading towards Gainesville. You know, I'm from down originally in that area. I was like, okay, we'll take 95 to 295, take 10 across. And I thought that's where I had to go. Get off the exit, get gas. Oh, we got to go down this road right here, Rich, <laughs> which was 301, four-lane back road doing 65 miles an hour, and it was a beautiful ride. Oh, it was nice. By then, the sun was out. It was warm. I think it was in the 60s by then. Yes. We stripped off a layer. Oh, it was that was beautiful riding right up until we met uh, our future guest. Yes. Nice. So you guys didn't talk about, okay, so Rich, you bought like a side saddle bag for your bike and some gloves so they worked out fine for you and what'd you put in your new saddle bag yeah let's talk about the gear a little bit so gloves first we went to uh bruce rossmeyer's what do they call it destination daytona harley davidson dealership which is massive by the way if no if you've never been there it's worth a trip i mean the dealership alone is massive in size amount of bikes that were there you know, including CVO and, and one-offs that they do there, plus all the accessories. And then upstairs with the used bikes, they had like a mini museum. I mean, you saw those pictures, Rico, like yeah. old, old knuckleheads and customs and just unique and historically significant bikes along the way. And it was just cool. So we took a bunch of pictures of those and put them all into our uh, Riders of Loud Pipes uh, social group and, you know, let the guys enjoy that stuff as well. So how many bikes were there? Do you do you recall? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, 
couldn't couldn't pretty guess. Big, yeah, pretty big. So about two story, two story building, two story. So maybe a floor of barber. Mm, yeah, maybe a floor or half a floor of of uh, barber. And that's that's wow. that's a double. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would I would say it was about that and a really big selection of used bikes upstairs and not just not just like stock used bikes. There were quite a few up there that were that were pretty tricked out as well. But okay, sorry, the gloves, a little diversion there. Yeah, did they work? They did work. And these are from Harley Davidson, of course. And these are called the Circuit Gauntlet Gloves. And the reason I bought these is one, because they fit. Two, because they were worn. Diamonds and stuff on them. Yeah, they got rhinestones. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Rhinestones. It's all bedazzled. (laughs) It's pink on the inside. Actually, wait a minute. Is it? No. But uh, (laughs) so they fit. They're comfortable. They're warm. And they're waterproof, which my current gauntlets are not. The trifecta, trifecta, and in the palm, they're they're stitched externally, which is nice, and they have enough room that I could comfortably get a liner inside. Still have range of motion; I could control the bike. Mm. Awesome. He was a happy camper after that, Rico. I can imagine. So, what that set you back, though? Well, all right. First of all, John, tell him how much you paid for your climb, climb, whatever gloves on, on clearance. They were one hundred and thirty dollars. I were 90 bucks. <laughs> Say what? Say what? And they have a cool cincher behind the wrist at the back end of the glove that really tightens it around my arm because my old ones would leak a little air up in there. So Yeah, that, that sucks. These are awesome. And Rich, I don't know if you talked about, but you have some you have that lovely goggle wiper too. Yes, sir. On the left thumb, another little squeegee to wipe off my uh beautiful helmet so do you think that does that work that little squeegee on your thumb does it work i know we didn't we didn't get any rain to try it but i'm not going to complain about that i can answer that one i can answer that question from the weekend of going down to easy rider it does work and they are freaking awesome nice <laughs> cool well you know you can also just put rain x on your visor and you don't have to worry about it you're not supposed to, but that's for another day. No, they have a they have a plastic version. Okay. Well, well, while we're talking about so, gear and helmets, so, yeah. Let's let's ask Rich one more question. Hey, Rich. Yes, John. How was that? How was that new helmet in the wind? Oh man. Yeah, let me brag on that RF twelve hundred from Showy a little more. That thing is a wind splitter, as Rico would say. So much quieter than my old helmet. So much more stable, I guess I would say. And if I tucked my head a little bit, like I was riding on a sport bike, even quieter, even smoother in the wind. So I'm I'm so pleased with that new helmet. It fits. It's comfortable. That's, that's all I got to say. It's the best helmet ever. How about that? <laughs> How's that for an endorsement? <laughs> that's a good endorsement. I, I will, though. I will give it one I'll give you one negative that you do come off with it that you have and it's the form is that it does, you know, indent your head a little bit after you take the helmet off. Yeah, that's weird. I don't I don't know what it is, but something about the inside of the the foam and whatever, but when I take it off I have this huge dent in the top of my forehead. Which I which I think 
I think we'll get his, straightened out. His head is oversized. He must got a lot of high fives or <laughs> I ran up about his bike. A lot. His head was getting bigger. Yeah. Oh, no. You're not going to bring that up, are you? Oh, yeah. So how many thumbs up did you get versus oh. uh, the Hartley there, oh. John? Oh. 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 So we got to talk about this one, Rico. This is interesting. <laughs> so we get going down the highway. I'm sorry. This, Rico? I'm sorry, John. You were talking. You see how this is, Rico? You see how much fun I get? I see. <laughs> you see this? <laughs> so, you know, we start out the trip, and, and people that have listened to past shows, we, we have this little thing of how many, who gets the most thumbs up. So, you know, before I even got to Rich's, I had one. And he's like, does it count? I'm like, well, it's on the trip. Well, he gave it to me. I said, yep. That's fair. You know, we get going down the road, you know, get a couple more, a couple more, a couple more. Well, by the time we get down to Florida, it was like, Eight to four. What? <laughs> In favor of me? And we're just like, we keep counting. Do we have to? We're done with this. Oh. Did it happen at almost every stop? Or I... <laughs> this is why he he didn't want to stop anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Never stopping anymore. Just keep going. <laughs> So it was pretty neat that we got a lot of it. So we stopped. I think it ended up being about 12 to 6. Oh. I, we stopped because, well, somebody was pouting. <laughs> oh. All right. So that's 12, but, to, <laughs> 12 to 6. But unfortunately, here in about a month and a half, I went to Daytona. Be uh, You know, be the other way. Right. Right. Because it'd be bank week. Yeah, right. if, we, if we went down to Bike Week, it wouldn't be like, oh, what's that? It'd be like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John got a lot of props for uh, Spider Silk, so. Nice. Good for you, man. Good for you. Well, you got, you got oh. quite a few. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of them. We met one gentleman. We met two people. Um, uh, the bicycle guy in... In uh, outside of bicycle. <laughs> well, the, there were, no, there was a guy riding a bicycle, um, like a real tricked out carbon fiber road bike, and uh-huh. I got to talking with him. And turns out he he rides as well. He had a BMW. I forget the model, but he had a BMW touring bike. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like a <laughs> <Can't am. laughs> slingshot. <laughs> yeah. And, and then right. on the way back, Matt. Um, in Brunswick, uh, I think his name was Sean. Uh, talked about he had his dad just bought an RT, and I think what did what, did we are we correct, Rich? That he had used to have a street glide. Yeah, had a Harley street glide, and he moved to the the Spider RT touring model. Yep, wow. and then he has a CB one thousand. So, you know, if the guys are listening, you know, kudos to you guys. Thank you. Hopefully, you are. Yeah, that's a beast. The new CBR one thousand. Holy cow. All right, so, oh, before we go too far ahead, how much were your gloves? 90 bucks. 90 bucks? Yep. Okay. Also bought socks there, too, some nice wool socks. That helped for the ride home, too. <clears throat> Those were <clears throat> $13. Harley Davidson branded. And it's so cool on the inside. It says, like, HD warm or something like that. <laughs> it's kind of neat. Yeah. Cool. And your saddlebag? Oh, saddlebag, yeah. So right next to Destination Daytona, is 
I believe that's the headquarters of J&P Cycles. I don't think it's the headquarters. Well, headquarters, warehouse, distribution, storefront, whatever. But you can go into you can go into a physical J&P Cycles and look at product. And mostly Harley though. Mostly V Twin, yeah. And they, you know, I've looked at the catalog. I mean, for years, even long before I bought my Harley. So it was neat to actually step foot in the store and you know talk to some of the guys. I mean, their their customer service and tech people are are just on the ball. Like if you ever call them or something, they you know they'll take care of you and they really know what they're talking about. So I went in there. We weren't really looking for anything. We were just kind of browsing. And John, I don't know what he was looking for, but apparently he doesn't know what they do. <laughs> so I was like, he's like, Sorry, I was expecting John. more stuff. I'm like, well, John, they're they're V twin biased. Like, they're not gonna have any spider gear in here. <laughs> right, we need well, <laughs> see, I had this little problem. I know you're looking for something for your helmet, but still, yes, I had this little problem, Rico. Yeah, he lost his his smoked visor. He he switches visor, sets it down on the spider somewhere. And we start riding away and he's like, oh, I just lost my visor. I'm like, well, let's stop and get it. He's like, no, no, it's ruined. I'm like, well, why not stop and check it out? Those things are like uh, 40 bucks. Right. He's like, no, 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 it's probably broken. Keep going. I was like, all right, whatever. It was dark. It was, I, I don't know if we would have found it. That was just, yeah. it was a busy that's... road and I didn't want to, because it was that, in that one section in that town that we went through towards Ormden, Ormden Beach and I was not going to go back and deal with it in the middle of the night. I got my violin out. Okay. So yeah, John was looking for a tinted visor and we really didn't have anything in mind, but as I was walking through, I've always wanted the little swing arm saddlebag for the deuce. Cause I, you know, I have some luggage for mine. I got this small bag that I, you know, strapped to the back of it for like a day trip. And then I had the bigger one, like I took to Daytona, but they're not great. They don't fit the bike the way they should. They're kind of made more for a, a standard upright backrest and the deuce one's got a big slant to it. So it doesn't, they don't really fit right. So I've been looking for something I can just attach to the bike and leave it there. So I got a little, uh, swing arm saddlebag from Willie and Max and at J and P cycles, it was less than a hundred bucks. And I know the Harley one is, way more than that i don't know exactly how much it is i i dare say it's 150 or closer to 200 so i thought you know 96 or whatever dollars it was was a good deal and it's all leather made in the u.s so you can put water bottles your gloves wallet all that stuff in that bag yeah yeah just some stuff that you always want with you right glove liners (laughs) (laughs) turtle fur turtle fur you know, an IPA, whatever, whatever you need for your trip. The question is, have you tested it out yet? No, I haven't even installed it yet. I carried it all the way back home from Daytona and haven't installed it yet. All right. Well, I can understand it. Project with the boys. All right. So what's next? Uh, what about, uh, oh, you guys did an interview while you were there, didn't you? We did. You don't want to talk about my product? Oh, did you buy something? Oh, okay. I didn't see it in the notes. So yeah, what'd you buy? So I bought, and we talked about it on the on the wish list. All right, time Christmas. out. So, so John tried my Christmas present. Let's just put that out there first. Okay. Yeah, I tried out Rich's Christmas present. 
<laughs> okay, proceed. So during the show, I gave Rich the Frobio, you know, bike TPMS system that you know screws on your onto the tires and mon- in the Bluetooth to your phone to check keep an eye on your pressure of your tires. So TPMS stands for Tire Pressure Monitoring System, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a bell. Ding ding ding. Yay me. So, as you know, with running with the tire that I had to replace, I always thought it was overinflated with air. So I figured I would, you know, be kind of good to have a, you know, tire pressure monitoring system to keep an eye on the tires. So I ordered that before we left and I put it on or I connected up to the bike before I left on. um, I did it Wednesday night or Wednesday. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. I did it. So got it from Amazon, came in, you know, great little box, real tiny box. And unfortunately, they're not cheap, but they're waterproof. And so I start reading the instructions as download the app, get the app, mount screwed onto the tire or the valve stem. And, and I did, and it didn't connect. And I'm like, what's going on? And it sent batteries with it. I'm like, okay, I think I got to change the batteries. How do you get them apart? And I figured they screwed together. Couldn't get them. I ended up having to take vice grips and a pair of pliers to untwist them because they're on there so freaking tight. What? Yeah. So after you did all that, did they work? Yes, it did. So is it like a small little like watch battery? Yeah, it's just on a little round one. Yep, a little round battery that goes inside of it. The case, it's all waterproof. You know, seal them up. And they have a little security mechanism with them as well so that you can put on the bike so people don't steal them because the little units are like $50 each. So they're not. Wait, you said $50 each? Yes. Oh, you have three tires? <laughs> yes. 150 so, bucks. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. They're a buck 50 for, for the set for the bike. But what's kind of neat is also once you connect it with your account, it links to your account so nobody else can take it. It works over Bluetooth with your phone, and it worked really well. Only bad part is, is every time my phone gets in near my bike now, they start to connect. You think that's draining the battery then or something? Well, draining the battery, you're always getting notifications because it's like low pressure. Excuse me. Sensor going off if the tire pressures are low. Yeah. It hasn't been doing it recently, so I'm not sure. Maybe that maybe it finally stopped running on my phone and it finally stopped long enough. But overall, I think it worked really well. And kind of, and it also tells you the temperature of the tires. Oh, that's a nice feature. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty cool little product. It took the they say five minutes to set them up. I think it took me probably in an hour. What to get <laughs> an hour? <laughs> Yeah, it was a little frustrating. <laughs> That's the tech oh, guy. Oh, because for you. you had to put the battery in it. Okay. The battery in it. And also, I think it uses GPS location to sense what mon- what unit goes with which tire. Because they, they link with the tires, too. So I think it goes on GPS location, too. So, you know. Sounds complicated. Sounds like a battery drain GPS. for your phone, too. So you, yeah. you plug your phone in anyway, though, don't you, John? Yes, my Android phone, yes. I will say Android phones, battery life sucks. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so, yes, the phone was connected pretty much the whole time on a trip to power 
plugged in so I could run. Yeah, my iPhone lasts for days. As long as I keep the spare battery handy. (laughs) (laughs) Which I did buy one of those too. That thing was awesome. The one that I have? Yeah. from I think it's from PNY. It's called the Rev something. But it's like 12,000 milliamp hours. And I think I can charge an iPhone 6 like five times or six times. Get the hell out of here. Really? Yeah. And it's got a two amp. Well, it's got two 2.4 amp outputs. So you can charge full-size tablets as well. Wow. That's impressive. And it's got a regular one amp. But yeah, this is like this is a kick butt battery for sure. And it's not that big either. So while I was down there, I had, Rich showed me this day. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. So I went while well, we're at Best Buy for two hours or four hours. <laughs> All what? night, seemed like. <laughs> you guys don't like that story, do you? We'll get that. Well, Rich can talk about that story. So they had a 15,000 one that I picked up, and it was only like 50 bucks. Wow. So, so my phone and my battery and, the, and my Note Four is three thousand. So I can charge if my battery and my phone goes completely dead. I can charge my with it five times. Four or five times. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think the iPhone is only two thousand, or it might even only be nineteen hundred. I've done it four times already without recharging it. But then I, you know, instead of emptying it out, I just recharged it. But so I know I can get at least four. So go back to the the Fobio tire pressure monitor system i recommend it for somebody that doesn't have it i i think it's a pretty cool little product to have so all right cool so you encourage anybody to pick a set of these up for their yeah. bike or track, huh? why not because you know it's got one of the it helps monitor the tires and lets you know about the air and you know you have to screw it down pretty tight i mean so um to do that and then the other thing that i didn't even show rich this was I was telling a coworker that I got these, the tire pressure system, and he's like, "Well, I had one on my car before, and I came out, and my tire was flat." So then he's like, "You might want to take an air compressor with you." So, or put the batteries in. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've I've got one of those. Do you have a twelve volt outlet on the Spider? I I, I will here shortly. Okay, because I have one of those little. Uh, portable compressor that fits like in the palm of your hand. It's really tiny. Well, I have one now too. And it's pretty good. I've used it to put as much as 80 PSI into like a portable tank just with that little 12 volt thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I have one in the Spider now, a little unit that's supposed to be pretty good. So we're all set for road trips now. I got tools, oil, and tire, and, and air pump. So we're good. Nice. And most of my gear. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Rico's going to start carrying it because I got t- I got the tools. Yep. So Rico's going to start carrying the gear. Well, Rico, you have the tire pressure monitors built in on the the Roadmaster, don't you? I do. Yep. Okay. Sure do. And they tell the temperature and all that as well. And you like it, right? I do. Yeah. I love it. And that's just it's uh, it just lets you know, and it's it's just uh, another safety feature to have, just to make sure your tire pressure is you know. But does it Correct. does it give right. tire temperature too, or just pressure? Yes. No, it tells you the, the the temperature as well. Oh, neat! And with mine, I think I read if the air drops like fifteen pounds over so many seconds, it'll start like sending off an alarm. So it'll help with like a. <laughs> if it drops that far, I think you're going to know before that thing goes off. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to know way before then. <laughs> so, all right, good stuff, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Glad you enjoyed my Christmas present. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I, I have to pick you up one now. 
You know what? I take that back. It doesn't tell you the temperature. You just watch. You see the temperature rise. You know when your tires are getting hot when the pressure increases. So right. that's how you know uh, the temperature is going up. So John's got a leg up on you. Yeah, he does. Uh, he does. It was interesting because in the morning I could look at the tire temperature and I could say, oh, well, the tire's 45 degrees. It's 45 degrees out, Rich. <laughs> well, except when you're running, then it should get warmer. Well, no, I meant sitting still overnight oh, yeah. first yeah. in the morning. You know, I know it's probably not true, you know, temperature, but I mean, it's, you know, that's temperature of the tire. So, well, the sensor, the probably the temperature sensor is probably on the outside because this screws onto the valve cap, does it not? Yes. Okay. So it's not inside the tire. So, yeah, it probably is the outside ambient then. That's cool. So that was our ride down there. So, yes, Rich, it was a great trip. I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was fun, exciting. Yeah. Had a ball. And, Priority one for the trip was was to spend some time with my parents. I think we talked about this in a prior show, but they spend some of the winter down in, in Florida. And I've been saying for years, yeah, I'm going to ride down on a bike and, and make a trip, you know, hang out for a while. And, you know, my dad's had some health issues and we've, we've sort of wanted to see the Rolex 24 for a while as well. He's never been, I've never been, not in person. I watch a bunch on TV. So that was kind of the the motivation to get down there and then having John tag along, you know, was a nice bonus to have someone to ride with. And then of course we made a stop for the show on the way down. And if you guys are familiar with Wrench Against the Machine, which we're big fans of, we've we've watched What's that show. That? What's that show, Rich? Give us a little, give us a little information about that show first. A nice little bike building show. It was on the Esquire network. Um it's okay. also available on demand, I believe now at this point. And what happened in the show? Yeah, the idea was it was three guys, or it was three guys and, and one girl on one of the teams, but basically three builders. They've got three days to build a bike, and they have $3,000 to transform it. That's the premise behind the show, which is pretty cool. You know, you put serious amount of pressure on someone, and you're given a foundation, and you're given a limited amount of funds to do something cool. But I will say, of all the, I think there were six episodes in total for this first season, I will say all the bikes that have come out of this this series were amazing. For the amount of money and the short amount of time they had, nothing short of amazing on, on all these bikes. I watched that show for this particular bill we're going to be talking about, and these guys are staying up like 36 hours to get these bikes built. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, before we jump into so much about the show, we do have to mention that we did meet this person at Barber in October. Where's my? It didn't work. Sorry. So, so, so yeah, we have we, to rewind a little bit. Yep. Go ahead. Before we, you know, saw the show, we met this gentleman in Barber, and and it was pretty cool talking with him then. So we had no idea, and then when the show came out, yep. We were like, hang on, I've seen him before. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, so let, let, let's spill it for the, for the audience. So Justin Webster is the person that we met up with, and he was on episode four. And the theme or the idea for episode four was to build a chopper, sort of straight out of Easy Riders sort of chopper. And they were given a, I'm probably going to get the model, was it a Suzuki GS550? I believe is what they were given as a platform. 
I think you're right. I think it was a 550. Yeah, because it's similar to my brother Kenny's bike. He has a GS850 GL, I think, was the the idea. And this was a, a GS550 is, is what they were given to build. And it was both teams were given the same bike, but they were one or two years different. So the the Jay Webster bike, I forget the year. It was either either theirs was a 79 or 80, and then the other one was an 80 or an 81, but they were in that in that time frame. But yeah, they built a rad chopper out of that thing. And if and if you've not seen episode four of Wrench Against the Machine, I highly advise people to check that out before our next episode because we had a good at least the recorded part was a good hour long interview with Justin in his garage, you know, in Florida, which was an amazing time. And I just want to thank, you know, Justin for letting us come over and hang out. Really cool guy to talk with. Very down to earth. Just, just like what we remembered from our time at Barber. And it was just cool. I mean, we spent a couple of hours there just talking bikes, talking building, riding, you know, his, his excitement with the vintage festival and it's just just cool you know i hope hope to see more from him in the future uh in all of his builds and and whatever he gets into it's a cool guy to chat with cool now in that in that show so the loser gets the other team's bike something like that right yeah the winner yes. the winner gets both bikes and and they were both there so we got to see them in person which was amazing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so their theme was to take the GS and turn it into an easy rider bike chopper. Yep. And and I they nailed it. Yeah, 70 style chopper and yeah, they nailed it. It was it was uphill a piece. They had that that girder front end which they had to cut and I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that shed a tear over that. You know, big sissy bar in the back just man, really looked like a chopper. It was awesome. So yeah, we'll have some pictures of that in the show notes for our next episode. Like we said, we did a nice, we did a nice hour with with Justin, and again, thank him for his time. Anything else to add, John? The other thing, kind of to plug for him as well, and we'll talk about it in the show, is that he makes special parts um, for the Honda bikes. Uh, looks like handlebar clamps, got the uh, valve cover, tap cover. Yeah. That's the CB. Yeah, the Honda CB. And a drive plug as well. So there's some cool stuff that he has that he's making. And he's working on expanding that as well. Yeah, it was pretty neat. It was just neat to hang out. You know, he's got a cute little dog in the garage. And one of his bikes that he rides around is also a Harley uh, night train, soft hill night train. And his missus rides a Sportster. So she cool does. to see some Harleys in the family, but yeah, he's, he's a, a lot like us, I would say in terms of bikes, he has an appreciation for all, all brands, all styles. I mean, yes, I ride a Harley, but I really like all bikes. I'm really kind of a fanatic about the bike, the machine itself. I mean, look at, look at what I've had of the KLR 650, you know, I'm looking to, to edge in on Rico's R6, you know, so I, I like them all. And it was just cool to see someone else with that sort of idea as well. Yeah. And, and what I have to throw out is we, we ride along and, and I said to Rich before we get going, Rico said, Hey, we need his address because I could not find his location. <laughs> so he sends me the thing and I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to his house. 
lo and behold, we get in this subdivision, we're riding along, and all of a sudden we'll come up and here's a trailer. Mm-hmm. Like it's up there. We pull up the garage doors open and here's his whole workshop. Yeah, it's really cool. It really is run out of his garage. It was pretty neat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's pretty cool. So what do you guys want to do? You want to split that to the, for another episode or you want to talk about the garage and all that stuff now? Or do you want to save that info? Yeah, we'll, we'll do more about it on the next episode. I've, I've got the audio ready from that interview. And of course, you know, we're going to work with, with Justin to make sure it's, it's as he wants. And, and on the next episode, we'll talk more about that visit. Yeah. You know, set it all up properly. Sounds good. So this is a preview, a tease, if you will. A teaser. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So you guys rode down to Florida to do what? So you went to see your parents, but what else did you guys do? Oh, oh, baby. I think, uh, let me scroll over here a little bit. We went to listen to this. And one of these. And some of these. Yeah, baby. The Rolex 24 at Daytona was also on the agenda. Ooh, that Cadillac and that Ford GT sounds amazing. Oh, that was the Corvette. Hold on. You want the Cadillac? (laughs) Hold on. Here's the Cadillac. Here's the Cadillac. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That's the old DP. I don't have the new one. Oh, I got to get it. But I've got to tell you, Rico. You know where that vet was? You could tell that vet from any of them in the crowd because that vet just purred. Really? It got, in a, it got in a straight line at takeoff, and all of a sudden you just heard a big rumble from that vet. Yeah, it was cool to hear, like, you'd hear the four GTs. I think for a while they ran together, two or three of them ran together. So you'd hear them go by, and it would be, like, mixed in there would be one of the Corvettes, and then it would be... You know, Ferrari, Porsche. Porsche, Lamborghini, and then another Corvette would go by, and it just, just so loud, so obnoxious, <laughs> just awesome sounding. I mean, it just rattled everything in your innards when those things go by. Oh, that's awesome! It's just like Mike Tyson running, you know, throwing punches. Yeah, exactly. The Corvette is like Tyson, just coming out all beating the crap out of you, and. <laughs> And the Cadillac was probably like uh, Muhammad Ali or something, right? All smooth. Yeah, a little, little bit more subdued, not quite as loud and rowdy, but but still fast and a, an amazing looking prototype car. I I got to say, Cadillac did a a great job on that. Wow. Yeah, and just to that was unfortunately it was cold, windy, <sighs> and then it rained all night and into Sunday. Yeah. So they said overnight it got down into 32, 35 degrees overnight running Man. in the rain. And um, it seems like it didn't find an official word, but I, if I heard correctly, they did throw a full caution yellow due to some of the rain being so heavy and not safe to race at some point in the middle of the night. Yeah, there was a lot of standing water at one point and they... They just kind of pause the race and it's like, yeah, let's get rid of some of this water. I mean, yeah, it's a 24 hour race. So you're going to race all the way around the clock 
you know, from daylight to dark and dark to daylight the next day. So yeah, at some point in the night they flagged it and, you know, deal dealt with some of the water. Yeah. So it stopped raining, I think about 10 o'clock on Sunday at the track. Um, we, we didn't make it back. Uh, you know, as Rich said, the priority is to spend time with his parents. So we spent Sunday hanging out with them, which was, I think, a good thing for them. And I think they enjoyed it yeah, along with cool. Rich. And, you know, it was good. We, we'll get back down there. I, um, I know Rich mentioned something about going back, and I think he has to agree that going back next time we do need a camp at, at the yeah. track. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I, if I do another one of these long endurance races, um, the 24 hours of Le Mans has been on my bucket list for years. And, you know, now we've been to the Rolex 24 and having sort of taken in the layout and, and sort of where people sit and, and how the, I guess kind of how the crowd is, you know what I mean? Like the vibe, you know, where are people hanging out? You know, what's the place, what's the corner to see in the infield? You know, there wasn't that many people up in the grandstands. But the infield was kind of where it was at. You could tell people were setting in for the long haul. Obviously, it's a long race. But the way people had their camps set up and laid out, everyone was just kind of chill, moving around from spot to spot, checking the different corners. Uh, it was really cool. And it was like a nice little party in the infield. There were all the manufacturers that were racing had some sort of display. Um, AMG and Mercedes had one of the best displays. They had so many cars there to sit in. I actually sat in the... Uh, the AMG GT that I sent you, Rico, that yellow one. Yes, that's my favorite. That's a two hundred thirty thousand dollar car. I was sitting I in. Know. I know I got expensive taste like that. I was like, oh, this is pretty nice. And then, then the guy was telling me how much it was. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go over to the Kia booth now. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, the AMG one, you know, Mercedes. They had a pretty cool. I mean, they had a tent set up. They had heat in there. And if you're an owner, I mean, they had an owner lounge where you could there and sit down and mm-hmm. I guess get beverages for free and stuff. Yeah. You know, I thought, I thought about that, Rich, you know, there was the Audi owners group, you know, you could have went, we could have went into the Audi group. I guess so. There yeah. you go. But the, we got to see the Corvette Corral, which is pretty neat. Um, Chevrolet sets up a little area where Corvette owners can park in the infield, which is pretty cool. I mean, and the Corvettes there all over the map. You know, 50s, 60s, brand new ones, tricked out Corvettes. It was kind of a neat little, you know, trip through time uh, of all the Corvettes in the Corral. That was pretty cool. They also, don't forget, they had the Porsche as well. Porsche had a whole owner's group as well. Yeah, Porsche had a big display. They had a beautiful uh, 911 RSR, I think is what the new race car is that they're running. Mm -hmm. And they had one of those set up there. Just amazing to see these cars up close corvette had a full uh c7r on display as well plus a z06 that was half cut away that was really cool to see i'm just so much eye candy in the infield just never mind all the racing that's going on behind you but all these really cool automotive displays it was like information overload it was just a lot to take in so you need what the whole weekend to take it all in you think yes yeah i'd like to go back and camp and take it in i sure would just camp in the infield take in the whole race you know stay up as much as i can and you know watch them race through the night and just sort of feel some of that tiredness that they might be going through right drink you know drink one or two beers maybe 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 (laughs) 
<laughs> and just, yeah, just hang out, have like a 24-hour race party. I think that would be fun. It would be. And, and ride down again, of course. Of course. Of course. So, yeah, as long as, um, you know, as long as John's going again, he can take some of my stuff and, you know, <laughs> he can keep my schedule straight and make sure the laundry's done and folded, all that. I'm sign sign me up. Bikes washed, air filter clean. Yeah, bike washed, ready to go. <laughs> hey, just make I have one request. What's that? Not that hotel again. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, ch- <laughs> a chat with mom and dad about that because they're here now. Didn't realize at the time and, you know, after we left, they were like, yeah, we're going to be in Charlotte in a week. So, so they're here now and that we talked about that today. I was like, um, can you guys not stay there again next year? <laughs> That's a sketchy place. <laughs> Why not, son? We love that place. We've been going there for years. Oh yeah, and it's like, oh, it's inexpensive, and it's right on the beach. I'm like, ah, oh. I'm like, I-, I will give you some money if you go stay somewhere else. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Racing wise, um, a lot different than watching a NASCAR race. I will say, good, both good and bad. Uh, the good part is all the different classes that are racing together, all the different types of engines that you hear, you know, there's the flat six from Porsche. There's the twin turbo V six from Acura and Ford, the big gnarly V eights from Cadillac and Corvette. Then you've got your V tens from, I think Lamborghini's using a V 10. I think uh, Ferrari's either using a V eight or a V 10. There's one Aston Martin in the field. So just hearing all those different engines roar by at the same time is really cool to hang out and and take that in and you know the bad part is it's it's a big track they're using the whole oval and the infield so you kind of have to pick a spot and say all right i'm going to hang out in the infield and watch some of the the left right road course part or i'm going to go in the stands and i'm going to watch the oval part or you, you can see some of the infield as well so that part was different you know where john and i over the years we've seen you know dozens of nascar races where you know, you can just sit there and watch the whole field go all the way around the track. So that part is a little different, you know, trying to figure out where you want it to be to see certain things that, that was a little bit of adjustment, but the racing itself, I mean, it was cool. Cool to see cars overtake, see the difference in classes from the, the GTD cars, which are the slowest ones. And then the versus the prototypes. And then you see like the, the Corvettes, which run in a, a GT class. They're just as fast as the prototypes in the corners. And then of course the prototypes pull away from them on the straightaway. So the class differential is something that's cool to watch as well. So what do you think about that, John, compared to our NASCAR days? Yeah, I agree with you, Rich. And I think the, it was really cool when you went in down to the hairpin turn there and we sat right near the fence and got so close and you see the cars come flying down, slam on the brakes and turn and take off. I mean, it's just really cool to see, you know, them flying in and then just turn and go and and the different classes and, and talk about the different styles. I mean, you have the DP eyes that are, you know, 200 miles an hour is going against, you know, the lower class cars. And so they have to be smart about going in these race traffic. So it makes a lot of difference in the race. Yeah, so what was his name? Wayne Taylor won that race overall? Yeah, he had, uh, I think, two or three cars in the field. Uh, the the number 10 car won, which was 
I'm not exactly uh, the Cadillac. The Taylor brothers, uh, Ricky and Jordan. Jordan. And then Max. Angelelli, I believe, yep. is the third. And then Jeff Gordon. Yep. And Max retired to, or is retiring after this race. So he was 50 years old racing. It was his last race. So it's pretty cool to see, I, I guess, some history. Well, it was also neat to see, you know, Jeff Gordon, obviously a, a NASCAR legend, but it was cool to see Jeff Gordon get his, I think two hours was the time he needed in the car and, and he still held his own. I mean, he spun out the car once in the wet from what I remember, but all in all, you know, he didn't bend up the car, you know, it didn't get crashed and he still maintained a pace that they were still able to stay out front and still bring home the win. So, you know, hats off to Jeff Gordon for for doing that and he was saying how physical it was to drive this car compared to nascar with all the g-forces not only in the cornering but under braking and the braking on these things are light years ahead of what they have in nascar right and there's a bunch of left right turns not yeah <laughs> not always a left turn. yeah well and th- yeah when you look at these cars look at the downforce this thing makes i mean it can run through the corners like like nobody's business so he he was saying in, in one of the pre-interviews, I think we mentioned this, um, Marshall Pruitt, who had an interview with him, you know, he was just saying it had been a long time since he'd gotten lightheaded in a car from the G-forces. So that, that tells you it's been a nice big step up from what he was used to, but he's retired now, so he's enjoying life, <laughs> going like a bat out of hell. Yeah, but it was one of those things that he did it back in, I think, 2007 is the last time he did it. It was always something he always wanted to do. And I guess um, when he announced his retirement, I think uh, Wayne Taylor called him up and started working a deal with him. So, you know, it's pretty hats off that it's something he always wanted to do and he accomplished it. So, and now he's the second driver to win the Rolex, the Daytona 500, and the Brickyard. Nice. So, my, I got one, one question for John. So, we, we've seen a, a ton of NASCAR races together and some local track and dirt track races. And I know we haven't watched much NASCAR in the last few years, but if you were, like if you were still in it head-to-head, did you enjoy this type of racing more or less, or could you even compare the two? I don't think you can compare the two because they're different, you know, different classes, but I enjoyed it more because I feel NASCAR has gone to want to make more commercialized, more fan base, get everybody bunched back up at the end of the race to have exciting race. And that's, in my opinion, what's the sense yeah. of running the first 400 laps? If it's the 500 lap or 500 miles, yeah. the first 400 miles, what's the sense of running that if you're just going to bunch everybody up back up at the end? And so with this, it's like, you know, yeah, they have stuff, but I mean, it's from start to end. Yeah. The, the thing I like about sports car racing is, it seems to be more about the racing and the technology and a little bit less about the show, you know, where NASCAR, they seem to be really just all bent on making a show, you know, it's entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not going to get into rather, you know, they're bending the rules or whatever, but I think they really are just focused on the show. Whereas this, uh, what do they call it now? The weather tech championship series. They do. It has two different, two different focuses to me the racing is one but also the the technology and the transfer from streetcar to race car and back to streetcar they claim a lot of that on the nascar side but it's not as easy for people to see because 
of the technology in cars today and in what you don't see on the NASCAR side. There is a lot of technology in NASCAR racing, but it's more technology to make the cars the way they are and less about the tech in the car versus the sports car racing. You actually see some of this modern technology, and I'm not just talking about electronics, but everything from you know carbon fiber and aerodynamics to safety innovations, like all of that making its way into these race cars and then back to the street cars or vice versa, just that whole circle of life and and evolution. I think it's easier for fans to see that in this type of racing than you can in NASCAR. So case in point, John, is the the Corvette booth. They've got a C7R race car sitting there. They've got a Corvette Z06 right next to it. And it's, it's a cutaway. You can, you can look at the street car and you can see parts that are in the race car. Well, yeah. And then the same thing you talk about, even with Porsche, the 911s, you know, or Ferraris, they are honestly the street car. They're tweaked. Yeah. Yeah. They have roll cages and, you know, different engines to to meet the racing spec and things like that. But, you know, the body shell, for example, it at least looks like something you can buy. Right. You know, I, I see the Corvette on the racetrack. I'm like, I can get a car that looks pretty damn close to that. I, the Chevy SS. I mean, if you squint and look real hard, I guess you could see the streetcar in there. But Well, unfortunately, what NASCAR has gone to is they've gone to template so much that everything is templized yeah. that it's all it is is graphics is what makes the difference. So Yeah, slight now, shape of the body, yeah, and more about the, the graphics. So I, I like that aspect of it. I like being able to, you know, look at the streetcar and, or sorry, look at the race car and see where it, it gets its its heritage. Clearly. You know, see it All clearly. Right. All right. So let's move on to something interesting that might get Rico excited. Uh-oh. One more topic, and then we'll shut it down. Sounds good. So, Rico. Uh-huh. Indian has a new build competition? Uh-oh. Build off? What? That's your mouth. What you talking uh- about, Willis? And I'm not. And here's the little U-turn. I'm looking at the list, Rich. We saw one of the bikes. Oh, wait. Time out. Is this a U-turn topic, technically? Well, it could be. Could be? Oh, well, hold on then. All right. Proceed. TD. Oh, so, or not TD. So, yeah, I'm TS. Come on. Get us right here, boys. Wait, I need to have be able to put echo on my voice, but Thunderstroker. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so, so I was looking at the list, and not sure if anybody's looked at it. But I was sitting here looking at it, and I realized lightning bolt. Yeah, Indian, Indian motorcycle with Charlotte. We saw that bike. Yeah, well, I was drooling over that thing. Well, let's introduce it. So they're calling it Project Chieftain, Build a Legend from Indian Motorcycle. And yeah, we did see that one at Easy Riders uh, two Saturdays ago. That's correct. And have you guys voted yet? I have not. Have you? Me neither. Well, this is kind of like the other ones that they ran, the the Scout build-off, and I think Victory's uh, Project Octane was the same way. Victory, rest in peace. But uh, I think you can vote every day, right? Is that right, John? Uh, I don't know. I think you can also you can vote every day, just like the last one. But the uh, it features a hundred and nineteen cubic inch 
thunder and lightning engine. Mm. What do you think about that, Rico? I think that uh, that's a game changer because that goes towards that whole muscle uh, bagger thing we were talking about in the last episode. That's not an Indian motor, though. It's not? That says uh, Arsenal Racecraft 119 cubic inch. So that doesn't sound like that's from Indian. Wah, wah. But still, <laughs> to be able to get it. Well, yeah. Maybe it'll be something you can get out of the catalog soon enough. Let me go look that up. Let me see if we can get it. Well, you guys can talk about it. I'll go look this up. Real yeah. So anyway, th- this build-off is based off of the Indian Chieftain. And how many are we looking at here? I see three, six, nine, eleven in total, if I'm not mistaken. Different bikes. Different bikes. Have you looked at these, Hogan? I don't know if you've had a chance to look at these yet. No, no, I, uh, no, I have not actually. So this is interesting. So yeah, this is getting me fired up, and I need something to look at here. Well, so I, I know they had like 15 different colors that you can get on these bikes now. So. I guess, wow. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's interesting to see, you know, you would think the Chieftain being a bagger, well, they're all going to just be big-wheeled baggers. But they're really not. I mean, the, the Barnstorm Chieftain, for example, is from Indian Motorcycle of Central Massachusetts. Uh, actually, it looks more like a, some kind of Dyna project, the way they've, they've tweaked and tuned that one. There's a couple of them that went the big-wheel sort of bagger route, and... Of course, Indian of Charlotte did the performance. Uh, I guess what what Lloyd coined as the performance bagger or the power bagger. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, not as many as the Scout, but still a cool project. Yeah, I'm sure cool things are going to come out of that because you know, I think that that bike and that Roadmaster bike, those are well, like I can't say that the Vintage is nice as well as as well as the Springfield. But, you know, if if I didn't, if I wanted that open, airy feel, I think the Springfield would be the next best bike to have in that lineup. I would go Roadmaster, Springfield, Scout, if I had my choices. All right, John, did you find it? Yeah, I think what you do is you send in your core, the core of the engine, the cylinders and or heads in for exchange, and they'll ship you you know, performance cylinders and heads. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So it's interesting that they're going to let you do that to, you know, keep the, and they do it for Indian as well or not Indian Harley as well. So it's an interesting looking bike. I mean, maybe as we talked with, with Lloyd about the baggers, what do you think Rico? I think let's do it. I'll send I'll send my heads and everything. Send your send your heads and you know the interesting thing on the homepage it says we're money by speed. How fast do you want to go? Yeah, but but then you you wonder like um, is riding a motorcycle all about the speed or is it about just being out relaxing and taking in the scenery and just enjoying your bike? You know, not whipping down the highway or hitting the twisties real hard. I think, you know, speed is nice, but just to be able to enjoy the ride is the, the, the benefit, the true benefit of being out and riding. I agree with you. It's fun to get out. I mean, this is like this past 
you know, trip with Re- or with Rich. It was it was enjoyable to get out with him, ride down the highway. Yeah, we did all highway, but you know, it wasn't bad. Got to see some back roads, you know, in Florida. It was pretty sweet. So different part of the country I haven't seen in a long time. So that's cool. Yeah, we have I'm more time. That, guys. Oh, dude, totally understand. You can make the next one. I'll be there. We got we got a few events coming up. I hear you. We got a few events coming up. So keep an eye out for the um, you know the chieftain build, and we can keep an eye on it. They're going to announce it at the bike week in 2017. So here in a you know month and a half, they're going to be announcing the winner. So which bike week? Daytona. Daytona. The bike week. Yeah. So let's see if uh, Indian or Charlotte can pull it out again. They they got what number two in the scout. That's correct. So, will they be able to pull out another one? Time will tell. We'll see. Awesome. Anything else? No, we just got some... Let's head on out of here. I think we've had enough fun for the night. Okay. Yeah, and, couple, and, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> so we got a couple of events coming up, right, Rich? A couple of events, yeah. We, we'd love to see the American Flat Track race in charlotte april 1st and that series kicks off in daytona with the season opener on march 16th which should be exciting and john's going to do a mountain meetup with the moto vloggers april 7th through 9th you're all locked down for that one i am we are booked we're ready to go we're going to pigeon forge got all your all your layers lined up ready to roll sure i'm ready to go uh, sometime between now and October, there will be another motorcycle podcasters challenge, and we've been we've been discussing that quite a bit in the back channels. So we should have something coming out in the next couple of episodes. And I think everything else is just up in the air, so we're not really going to mention anything else other than back to Barber in the fall. It's just not working tonight. Damn, right there, coin. One for good measure. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much that jar's up to now, Rich. I don't know if it's getting heavy. My desk is starting to bow a little bit, so oh. I might have to get some support for it. <laughs> oh. Well, maybe that might help pay for a hotel room. Maybe, maybe. And if that's not enough money, we can also thank the riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. And let's thank our first five riders, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. Also our barbershop rider, Chuck. And he's a little lonely, so be nice to get a couple others in the, the barbershop. And just a reminder, at the barbershop support level, you also get a free t-shirt and a swag bag every year. So be sure to check that out. Loudpipes.net slash donate. And let's also thank the riders in the riders group. So that would be Steve, Mike, Micah, Mark, and Jim. Apologies, Jim, for missing you on the last episode. But again, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your support. And lastly, the insider, little brother, Kenny, who's going to get on that Suzuki here once the snow melts away in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Again, loudpipes.net slash donate is the place to be if you're interested in supporting the show and gaining access to all of the wonderful perks that we have available, which includes things like our private social network for the Riders of Loud Pipes, our monthly video hangout which is a whole bunch of fun we've now sort of expanded it to about a two-hour session uh, every month that we do with the guys and 
we're going to start having a location of all our pictures. Yeah, we're talking about sort of a photo share. And I know you could do this publicly, but you know we have a lot of things that we take, record that aren't necessarily for public consumption. Uh, but it's <clears throat> it's stuff to share <laughs> internally. <so. laughs> what? It's not. It's not. You know. Anyway, uh, for all your show swag needs, head over to loudpipes.net/store. Give John something to do. As we say, we don't want him with idle hands. And additional information for this episode, including links and maybe a couple of images, can be found on our website, labpipes.net slash 74. And there you can also leave us feedback. There's links to subscribe to the show. Follow us on social media. Mr. Hogan? Yep, yep. Shabila. Kick stands up. Johnny John? Let's go, guys. All right. Let's get out of here. If you're enjoying the show and want more, check out loudpipes.net slash donate.